Welcome to the Global Business Insights Podcast, brought to you by PSL. I'm your host, Max Kent, and I'll be joined by my co-host, Dr. Charlotte de Brabant. In Series 2, Beyond Business, we delve into the captivating journeys of the world's most exceptional business leaders, entrepreneurs and professionals. Our mission is not only to ignite inspiration and knowledge for the next generation, but also to illuminate the path for those currently navigating challenges. Join us as we uncover the remarkable stories that transcend traditional business narratives and offer a beacon of hope and guidance. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Global Business Insight podcast. I'm so thrilled to have a very special guest with us back this time, Lucy. Thank you so much for joining us again in this great session. Your, I would say the feedback we got last time after your, your session was just phenomenal. So we just had to bring you back to our podcast. And it's such a great pleasure to be here with Max Kent once again, my partner in crime. Lucy, Hi, why everyone. don't we hello? Why don't we just kick off by just having a quick introduction about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Lucy Day. I'm senior solutions specialist um, at Proactis. So I work within the global pre-sales team and I have the absolute honour and privilege of getting behind the driving seat uh, seat of our technology um, and giving demonstrations to our customers and prospects. But more than that, really kind of working with them to understand what are they trying to achieve? What are their outcomes in terms of streamlining, um, you know, their overall procurement processes? and, and and helping them get there. Um, so um, it's delight. I'm absolutely delighted to have been asked back. Um, it's it's obviously an honour and a privilege. So um, looking forward to getting into it. Fantastic. Well, why don't we just kick off right away with our first question, Lucy? Maybe you can take us through your journey in the procurement and spend management software industry, and maybe you could also highlight some of the key stages of your career. A development and how you became a specialist in this field. Well, without wanting to give my age away, <laughs> um, I, I, um, I, 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 I came into the kind of professional world very, very young. Um, I, I had a, I had a, a brief stint at university, and then decided actually I want to get out there, and um, I kind of fell into the the software world really by accident Um, and I started working for uh, a payment solutions provider um, in in the in the commercial team Um, and it it was kind of from there that I transitioned to working um, for an in for some systems partner in London and this is now circa 2005 so quite quite a long time ago um feels like only yesterday um but that's really where i started to kind of get into the 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 wonderful world of of procurement um uh, and that was across everything you know from from purchase to pay and and sourcing and contract management and supplier relationship management and it was a really really different world back then um you know procurement was was very centralized you know you wouldn't have the the, the notion of people 
going out and, and raising purchase requests for, for what they wanted would, would just horrify people back then. You know, it was very much something that was still very centralised and restricted within a certain group of people, more often than not within finance, um, and very manual, very, very manual. Um, and I suppose really what, what attracted me to to kind of procurement and, and spend management is it, it, it out of all the projects that I've ever kind of worked in and delivered, they are the ones where I have seen the, the biggest impact um, in, in terms of, you know, the, the outcomes that implementing technology has, has brought. Um, and, and I think, you know, for me, I think people that know me know that I'm quite a detailed person. I, I like to get into the granularity of things. I like to really pick things apart and, and really understand where are their gaps, where are their inefficiencies. And, you know, I, I would sometimes just go in and sit with people and just say, talk me through how you're raising orders today. Talk me through that entire journey. And, and I would just sit there and I would listen. I would note it all down. I'd map it out. Because for me, you know, it, it's it's really about understanding those inefficiencies and those gaps and, and kind of really teasing out that pain that kind of fully allows you to kind of get immersed in their world and understand kind of where they're coming from and then aligning the, the, the solution from that and, and then kind of agreeing, right, OK, what are the outcomes? What are the metrics that we're trying to achieve through this so that you collectively go into the agreement, you know, with them and, and with your technology partner that this is what we're going to deliver? Um, so I, I think it was just that constant curiosity um, that I've had in, in my career and, and that level of engagement that I love having. I'm very much a, a people person um, that, that I think has kind of brought me to where I am today. And, and it's certainly that that constant questioning, that constantly wanting to get into the detail and, and really listening to, to kind of where the kind of pains and efficiencies are that, that help me be able to help and support um, our, our customers and, and, and prospects in, in, in the most helpful, helpful way. Brilliant. Thanks, Lucy. And just to echo Charlotte, it's lovely to have you on again. Um, great to have you attending the podcast back by popular demand. Um, and great to hear your start to your journey. Having worked closely with you previously, um, during your time when we were together at Complete Software and previously to that you're at Sage, um, you've been really involved in digital procurement services. So maybe you could share with us some insights into some of the challenges that organisations that you've come across face in that area and how those roles maybe contributed to addressing some of those challenges. Yeah, um, a really good question. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges that, that seemed to be part of every conversation I was having was, was simply accessing the data to drive meaningful insight procurement as a function it, you can't kind of put your finger on the air and and we know that procurement as a function is under increasing pressure to perform and it and it's a function that's 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 changing it's evolving you know it's not case of we've got to save 10 percent here we've got to save 20 percent there they've got to mitigate risk They've got to make sure things are compliant. You know, they've got to make sure that 
you know, sustainability, which is a huge thing, as we know, that's coming in. You know, how are they supporting the organisation with scope one and two, bringing in scope three to create that full kind of sustainability piece? Now, you know, all of that is, is based on having the data to make those decisions effectively. And, you know, I used to have conversations with people where even where I said, you know, how many suppliers do you have in this category? And they'd be like, I, I, I don't know. Um, and, you know, if they're having that problem, you know, how could they make a decision on whether they need to do a supplier consolidation project if they don't know how many suppliers they're working with within a within a category? And if they can't, you know, kind of get that data and they're struggling at that level, then it's going to be almost impossible for them to get the kind of actual detail of the spend itself and then identify where potential savings can come from. So I think just being able to get access to the data um, is, is, is certainly a challenge. And, and, and we see that, you know, all the time. There's, you know, manual processes in play, there's things on spreadsheets, there's data in silos, that all compounds the problem. But I think then there's a kind of further challenge um, where, it, where it's actually a, a lack of cleanliness of the data itself. Um, you know, we we know the saying, you put rubbish in, you, you get rubbish out. But that is absolutely true. And certainly for me in, in the roles that I have um, and had, it was really important to understand how is that data being managed? How accurate is it? And actually work with them to get to a point where it, it was accurate and it could be used for reporting because the worst thing in the world, you know, as, as someone, you know, trying to help someone achieve outputs is, you know, giving them a bit of a bum steer and the, the, the data not needing to give the insight that it needed to. So it, it's not just necessarily about the having the appropriate reporting capability. It's about making sure the data that's underneath it is, is bang on. Um, but then, as I say, having the BI tools that would present the metrics in the right way to the right people based on what their roles were within the organisation. And as we well know, procurement spans finance procurement and they look at the world very differently. Um, so again, it's about aligning those two functions together and giving them the insights um, that, that were necessary. And, and that in itself can sometimes be um, be it be a challenge. Thank you so much for sharing. And in your role at Touchstone FMS, you managed relationships with over 50 clients across various sectors. Um, maybe you could just discuss a specific example for our listeners where you successfully helped a client overcome a significant challenge through the implementation of software or digital transformation um wow there there that that that's there's 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 quite a few to choose from um but i think one of the the projects that sticks out in my mind um and was actually one of the ones that i was kind of most proud to be involved with um was with an organization that i'd actually looked after and account managed um, for, for over 10 years and 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 they followed me. Um, I, I was with 
one organisation I moved and and they and they came with. So I, I, I'm I'm you know that says something I hope. Um, but but they engaged with me to um, to talk about a project. They'd had a, a new uh, commercial director come in. Um, she was very very hungry. She had big aspirations to kind of really transition them from where they were um, to kind of being a major player in their market. Um, and as commercial director, no surprises that she was really there to to kind of look at the sales revenue um, and and increase that. Um, and she was very much of the mindset when we when we initially sat down and spoke to her that 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 came from a sales order management system, an invoicing system, a CRM solution. Um, and, and, you know, to a certain extent, it, it does. But we spent a lot of time. Um, and, and this kind of circles back to, to kind of what I was talking about originally about investing time in people and processes to really understand what the broader landscape looks like. It's never about kind of one thing in, in my experience. Um, we, we spent a lot of time with her, um, other sort of key stakeholders um, in, in the business to, to kind of understand that overall business model. How were they they kind of functioning with within the, the sort of whole organization how did all of that hinge together um we wanted to understand that the the personas involved the processes involved because people and processes are like peas and carrots you, you've got to have both working effectively for it all to come together um and it transpired that um that their bigger issue uh was actually they had a complete lack of visibility um over their their costs. So they're an organization that um, sort of blended oils and, and, and other um, sort of lubricants and things together to then make an end product that they would sell. Um, and all of that was being done manually. So all of the purchasing was being done manually. Uh, there was no visibility of, of spend. Um, a lot of the um, cost of the products were being massively underestimated from a cost perspective. Uh, they had spreadsheets that were inaccurate um, and, and they had uh, somebody with, within the organisation that was quite precious about said spreadsheets and wouldn't share them. And, you know, there, there was a lot going on. But what we kind of presented to them was, look, you, you can't really make a decision on your sales margin without knowing what your your costs cost base is you you've got to get a much much tighter control over that and have spend visibility not spent visibility because you know the, the 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 horse is already bolted sort of thing um so we we ended up kind of completely re-engineering what they thought they needed um and we we started to engage them talking about purchase to pay, contract management, um, spend visibility. And it, it was a project that took quite a long time to, to kind of get over the line because, as we know, with, with procurement and, and kind of digitising that, more often than not, there is going to be quite a cultural shift that needs to happen, um, that there needs to be a change of attitude um, of, of people. Um, and, and a change of, of process. Um, but they did go live 
um, quite a number of months later with with a, a P2P solution. And um, it, it was it was a fantastic project because we went in and did regular post implementation reviews with them. The feedback that we got from that was was absolutely fantastic. Um, they even gave the project a name. They called it Project Ignite because they wanted to bring it to life within their organisation and really make people feel excited about it. Um, and and it was a really great project to be involved in, and you know did what it's what it needed to. It did allow them to get that control of cost. It did allow them to have that greater level of visibility, which then gave her a much more confident position to be coming from to say, well, look, I know now what our products are costing us. Therefore, I know that if we're wanting to, you know, increase our margins, you know, we're either going to be looking at ways in which we can reduce that cost or we need to be looking at, you know, what we're potentially selling from a price point of view. So it was it was a really good project, one I'm very proud of. Um, and I still keep in touch with them to this day. It's amazing to hear. And I think all of your energy and enthusiasm to sort of be hungry to keep learning and improving sort of plays out right across your career. So all the examples you've given just, you know, make that building of learning and that that knowledge kind of increase with every role you've had. Um, so at Proactis, you mentioned senior solutions specialists. So I'm assuming that kind of builds on all of that and, and brings that to the fore. Um, how does that differ or or build on the roles you've had previously and so what sort of unique skills and expertise do you help bring to those organizations and obviously then help them take care of their control take control of their spend and control of their supply chain i think from from my point of view uh, having been in this for, for as long as i have um you know i kind of came into to the kind of the, the working world um, where, you know, solution selling would, would be features and benefits and so features and functions. And, you know, it, it would be very much led by the solution, the conversation. And from my experience and, and just certainly, you know, when I call myself a senior solution specialist, I'm not thinking about any one solution in mind. I'm thinking about the problem, I'm thinking about the desired outcome, and I'm thinking about how I'm going to solve it. That's what I position myself as when I say I'm a senior solutions specialist. I'm not here to talk to you about product. I'm here to understand what your challenges are, where are you feeling pain, and, and what, what are the implications of that pain within your organization and and to the individuals that we're talking to because i think you need to remember that that pain is felt differently by different people even if it's the same pain so it, it's very much about understanding all of that um and the desired outputs and 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 kind of talking through how technology can support getting there you know and sometimes that that can be a conversation where actually you you kind of got to think, well, yeah, you're doing it this way at the moment, but actually, you know, from my experience and having worked with these organisations very similar to you, that's actually not the way that we would recommend doing it. And and using the years of experience that that my that myself and my colleagues at Proactis have, 
um, to, to really kind of talk to what good looks like. And that isn't forever from a functional perspective within our software. It's it, it comes from a from a process perspective and then aligning the metrics to that. You know, it's all very well and good saying, oh, you know, you know, we've been in the market for this many years and we do this, this and this. But, you know, what what we have within Proactis is a significant footprint and a customer base where we can actually talk to the metrics of what we've delivered. This is this is the outcomes that we achieved for these very uh, similar clients to yourself. So from our point of view, it, it's very much about understanding the pain, understanding where the challenges are, where are you trying to get to, what are the outcomes that you're trying to achieve, and then aligning the solution. A conversation about digital transformation should never be technology-led. It should be outcome-led. What is it that by doing this we're trying to achieve? And then how can we use technology to support us being able to achieve that? Lucy, I could not agree more with you, especially <laughs> with your last statement. Um, your, your experience stands several companies and roles within software and the whole technology industry. How have you seen the whole landscape of procurement and spend management evolve over the years? And what emerging trends do you believe will actually shape the industry in the next coming years? I mean, there's there's certainly been a lot of change. I alluded to that. Um, you know, initially where, you know, I'd go in and, and I'd be having a conversation about procurement with finance, which which was which was always quite interesting. Um, and I, I think I, I think the expectation now of um, procurement has changed. I think the expectation of what people can do within their businesses has changed. So I think, you know, way back when, it was all about control, wasn't it? it and, and, and and it still is. But it, now it's more we want to be able to give everyone within the organisation the ability to to buy things. Um, but we want to do that in the most optimised way possible. So how can we have a platform that's really going to drive that user adoption um, and, and make things as easy for that buyer, but has the rigidity within the system to maintain the control but do so so subtly that the buyer never knows anything about it and it, it it's really become that balance of between efficiency and control and you know I, I've certainly seen historically there was always an imbalance where control would come first and then you'd kind of look at the metrics of when the system had gone live and and you know several months later why there were loads of retrospective orders being raised well Kel Surprise go and have a look at how people engage with the system if it's not optimized if it's not easy if it's not familiar they're going to step outside of, of that process so you know I've certainly seen in, in recent years the whole kind of guided buying experience be very much front and centre of procurement, um, you know, mindset and, and finance mindset. Let's see how the end user is going to engage with this system first, because if we don't get that right, you know, we, we've got a problem because people are just going to carry on doing things outside of the system, which which we can't have. So, you know, the whole kind of online buying experience about 
giving information to create a, a, a cost consciousness within the organization. I want my users to have the information to make an informed buying decision. And I don't want to be bringing procurement in every time. You know, if there's a sourcing exercise to do for a more sophisticated procurement or it's regulated and it's got to go through a certain process by all means, but day to day, we should have a system that allows people to get the things quickly and easily that they need and gives them the information to help them make a decision um, within the system. So that's that's certainly been a, a big change. I think also as well, um, you know, I think another thing, as we mentioned before, is is just harnessing the data and being able to have a, a, a robust reporting engine over the top of the solution, which allows you to get access to that to start making those really important decisions. And, and without that data and, and it presented in such a way, it gives the insights, it's 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 very, very difficult um, to, to, to kind of do that. I think the other thing I've certainly seen um, that seems to be kicking in is, is AI. You know, we've seen artificial intelligence coming um, in, into, into the, the kind of working world. Um, I mean, we, we use it in our personal lives, whether or not we know it. I mean, when you go on to Netflix, as an example, when you have all of the suggested for you, that's an AI engine doing that. So it, it really is coming into the world and we're seeing more and more from it, um, you know, within the procurement and spend management space, you know, predictive coding it is something that we're starting to see. Um, you know, people are asking more questions about how can we leverage artificial intelligence to actually reduce the burden of, of doing coding, um, you know, making sure that, you know, we, we have some kind of automation there that that guides us. It's never going to replace the, the human being. It's about having a, a co-worker help you. Um, but but that's certainly something that, that that we're seeing more and more people ask about. Um, and uh, there is an expectation, you know, that 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 will be invested and be used um, within the organisation. I think the other thing we, we haven't sort of talked about, but again, I certainly see as really important now um, within a lot of the, the organisations we work with and we talk to is supplier risk. I think that the world over the last five years has changed massively. Um, I think we've seen, you know, the impacts of COVID and, and, and what that's had. I think there's a huge focus on you know, sustainability and are we working with a supplier that actually is is meeting what they've put out there in the public domain that they they are working towards from an ESG target perspective. And I hate to say it, you know, financial viability of suppliers, you know, how many major high street brands have we seen completely evaporate off the face of the earth because of, you know, the way the world's changed? Um, so supplier risk is is something that seems to be very front and centre of people's minds at the moment because, you know, the impact of working with a supplier that's not ethical or the impact of working with a supplier who's critical to your business, who goes bankrupt the following day, could, could be significant. So, um, you know, having the ability to get that insight into suppliers and again, have that data to, to really make a decision is this supplier the right one for us to be working with? Are are they are they right for us? Are they safe? Um, that that seems to be something that certainly back in in when I first started working this, it, it wasn't given necessarily as much time and attention 
um, as it should be. But it it's very much seems to be very much front and centre um, of, of what we're, we're talking about. I think you're absolutely right there. And supplier of risk, supplier onboarding, supplier management has all kind of gotten much more popular over the last three, four years for all the reasons you've detailed there. Um, and I think what the sea change will be is that the companies that realising that they're being profiled on that risk and then losing business as a result, which, which will really kind of force that change where businesses start to make decisions on who they buy from because of that visibility of that data, that um, kind of 360 view of that person, that business they're buying from. So I think you're absolutely right there. And, um, you know, having spent some time with you recently on, you know, recent conferences and things like that, got a bit of insight on um, some of the things Proactus are doing. Are you able to share any more information on some of the tools that are coming out or um, anything that um, you might be able to share with our listeners? I know some of it's probably <laughs> confidential. So, um, Well, we we ran um, our, our kind of um, headline event um earlier this month which i'm i'm delighted to say was a phenomenal uh, success um we 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 ran two for one for north america and 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 one within europe because obviously we're a global organization um and, and we did make um an announcement um in in that uh, event that we uh, are working on and it will be coming soon um proactis rego kai um cai um, if anyone is interested in knowing more about it, you can visit our website, which is www.proactis.com forward slash Kai. Um, but essentially, essentially what that 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 will be is our coding, coding AI. So sort of talking about what I said earlier is one of the kind of key things and the hot topics that's kind of really coming into play at the moment. Um, it, it's about um, using artificial intelligence to support the coding of purchase orders um, and invoices um, and, and really using it as a support mechanism um, to, to kind of automate that, that, that function. So I can't really say too much more about it. Um, it is coming soon. Um, if you'd like to register or if anyone watching this wants to register early interest um, uh, and finding out more, then they can do that on our, on our website. Wow, this sounds so exciting. I will definitely register. Um, Lucy, as a senior solutions specialist at Proactus, um, what are the key drivers and objectives for Proactus in this current market? And how do you envision your role contributing to the company's success in achieving these goals? I mean, we, we talk about current market. If I can just sort of talk about Proactus as an organisation and where we've come from, we've always been about and we always will be about delivering value um, to, to our uh, customers. And we do that through our people and we do it through our technology. And I've deliberately said we do it with our people first because we are a people first organisation. Um, within our own organization our, our people are put first um and we are very much um you know working with customers on a daily basis constantly engaging with them to kind of look at how they're operating you know what what are, what are their processes look like today because i think a lot of people pick a technology partner 
very much on 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 kind of what they see and 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 it gets to the implementation and then that that's over and it it's kind of like the honeymoon period is done you're married now that that's it that that's not what proactus is about um it's we've never been about that it, it's very much about the constant re-engagement um as i say with our, our customers and we've worked really hard to instill um a, a, a customer success team that 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 does that um and works with our our clients on a on a daily basis and in terms of you know my role um i i support that really by supporting them um and having those conversations with our clients and accepting that technology never stops moving forward even our own you know businesses change all of the time new people come in acquisitions are made processes change so even with the clients that you know we have it, it's about making sure that they are still getting the value from our technology it's about making sure that we understand what their outputs are and if those outputs um, have changed then we work with them to adapt our technology to ensure that they meet the new outputs that are necessary and i think you know when I look at some of the, the the accreditations that we have and some of the things that we're really proud of as an organisation, you know, we have a 96 customer retention rate, which in the SaaS market is phenomenal and virtually unheard of. Our longest service client has been with us for 26 years. Um, and again, that's virtually unheard of. Um, but the reason why we do that is you know, as I say, we're engaging and we're, we're, we're more about understanding our customers, their processes, their outputs and their people first and then aligning the technology accordingly. That's how we, we operated years ago. It's how we will always operate going into the future, because I think a lot of people think technology moves fast and therefore you need to hop beds. You don't. You just need to find the right technology partner to work with that's going to constantly invest in you, your people and align their technology to your outcomes. Absolutely. And like the saying goes, right? Uh, you tell technology what to do and don't let technology rule you. 100%. Apart from Alexa, oh. maybe. You tell Alexa what to do. <laughs> Alexa never listens to me. No, or me. <laughs> But Lucy, it was so so much fun to have you with us here once again. And thank you very much for your time. And thank you for, the, for our listeners once again for tuning back in. It's always so much fun to be discussing these future-oriented topics together. Absolutely. Thanks again, Lucy. Pleasure to have you on. No problem at all. Thank you so much. It, um, as I said, it's uh, an honour and a privilege to have been asked and uh, greatly appreciated. Thanks. <laughs>